What's up, everybody? This is FTW with Ahmad Khan. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan, and joining me today on this undeniably dying edition is HLTV's Milan Striker Schweda. Hey, guys. And later on, we'll have freelance reporter Meg Kay to talk worlds. But first, CSGO. Last week, 100 Thieves CEO Matthew Nechad Hag announced that the organization would be exiting CSGO because of complications due to COVID. 100 Thieves CSGO roster is currently based out of Australia, and with travel restrictions posed by the pandemic, quote, we felt we were in a position where our hands were tied. But CSGO has been in a declining state in North America for years, and has been the general trend for esports in the region, with more attention going towards streaming. Former Cloud9 star Michael Shroud-Gertziak said in a video, quote, NA just died in CSGO. Hard. In my opinion, that's a very big L to the community. So, Stryker, the North American scene is clearly in flux, and this is after we've seen new pushes by ESL and Blast with competitive leagues. Before we get into that, let's step back. When did things start going downhill for CSGO in North America? I mean, it has to start with the, the introduction of Valorant. And, and uh, I mean, obviously that kind of coincided with um, with COVID and, and how that obviously regionalized everything. But basically, it's the combination of those two things. I think March is essentially the, the, like the starting point that we have to look at in regards to both of these factors that played into essentially what is going on now seven months later that... Uh, you know, led to North America losing so much in, in just a span of, of let's say, half a, half a year. You, you know, it's interesting, like, it's not just CSGO, I feel, that's suffering. I mean, if you look at League of Legends, you know, North America is very weak compared to Europe and especially Asia. When you look at Overwatch, definitely the best talent is coming out of Korea. Uh, it, you know, it, to what extent do you feel that esports in general is on a decline in, in, in the United States? To be fair, like my my expertise doesn't really lie in esports in general. I just I'm very much focused on on CS:GO. But obviously, I I also watch League of Legends and competitively, I guess you're right. Um, NA is generally not the best region, at least not in the not in the games that I follow. Um, pretty far from it, actually. But in CS:GO, obviously, they, they, there was a time where the where NA was the best region for 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 a short period last year, essentially, um, like in the first half of last year when Liquid were on the um, on the top for quite a long time, actually for like five months in a row, and EG were also you know on 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 the up and and improving, and they even they became the the best team in the world at least uh, for for a couple of weeks. So I don't I don't really see how this is a whole widespread problem in terms of esports in 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 North America. Um, you can look at other games and maybe somebody will prove me wrong. And North America is is uh, is the best region somewhere. If it is a game, um, it's it's a game that I would probably don't follow. But in any case, I yeah, like I said, my expertise doesn't really lie with with esports in general. It's mostly about CS:GO, and that's I don't think we've seen. I don't think it's fair to say that that NA has been lagging behind in in CS:GO. Not anymore, at least. Obviously, today it's changing again. But I think in the last two the last two years have kind of proven that NA has been has been catching up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another thing is financials. Uh, I mean, Andy Miller of NRG said pretty vocally about kind of how expensive it is to have a competitive CS:GO roster and how the viewership and other sponsorship dollars just don't justify the cost. You know, to what extent do you feel that? Uh, and you know, Shroud said this in his video too, with players making like forty thousand dollars a month. To what extent do you feel that the players in the scene are overvalued? I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. I, but I, in, but I feel the same way in in terms of esports as a whole. Again, I don't really have that much that much information on what the salaries look like in other games outside of League of Legends. I think that's relatively, um, you know, some of the numbers in, in League of Legends have been 
um, have been out there as well. For example, like that massive Vulcan, um, Vulcan buyout that Cloud9 paid um, some point last year, I think it was, or like two years ago, I don't remember right now. Um, but, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that essentially it is kind of a bubble that is created through, you know, this huge investment money that is coming into organizations that they didn't necessarily earn, not yet anyway. And it's, it's, it's something that they're still trying to do. So it's just the result of that, I think. And um, yeah, and this is, I guess, sort of a sort of a result of it. You know, to what extent do you feel that uh, you know, I, I, I had Wim Stocks of uh, Collegiate Star League on a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how colleges have been still very hesitant to embrace CSGO, mainly because of you know the, the violent nature of the game. Um, it definitely doesn't help the the scene in North America. But to what extent do you think kind of Valve's and the scene's doggedness to keep this like highly violent game uh, without any kind of modification contributing to its potential decline. I mean, to be fair, we've never really we've never really needed universities or like a massive mm-hmm. uh, massive um, grassroots structure for the game to live and to be and to be uh, improving and or like increasing in terms of reach or in terms of player base and stuff like that. We've been we've been rising for a long time. CS:GO has had um, you know numerous peaks in terms of player base throughout this time throughout COVID. So I don't think we really need you know universe like a university structure where they're going to be the ones bringing up new people into the or bringing new people into the game so i feel like that's not really not necessarily a factor people will the universities are not a place where people will will um will find the game where they're gonna start playing it so i don't see that as a problem to be honest Mm. you know what's interesting is that in uh shroud's kind of rant he talks about how in north america when people when teams would scrim they would just scrim to win instead of scrim to learn and he felt that it was a cultural problem in North America too. Um, you know, in, in based on your reporting, you're speaking to players. Do you feel that the way North American players go about practicing and competing is incongruent with actual growth uh, for a competitive scene? I mean, that seems to be what people think. Uh, even in, in even the players in North America, as you said, as you mentioned, Shroud and uh, specifically, but it's it's a topic that's been that's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So there has to be something to it for sure, just because we've heard it too many times, not for it not to be partially true at least. So yeah, I definitely I definitely think there's something to that. Um, to what degree it's actually hampering this the, the region? I'm not sure. Like I said, like last year we had two very very competitive teams at the at the, at the top of CS:GO, and they obviously found a way to practice a little bit more efficiently because they played very very solid CS. Um, at least Liquid did. I think EG were a little bit more uh, shaky, I guess. Um, but in terms of Liquid, Liquid, I think it was pretty obvious that they found a way um, to improve, even with how it's always been kind of a problem to to practice well. In North America, so yeah, so certain teams have have been able to go past that, but I do think that there's a there's a a certain level of a problem on a on a widespread scale in in North America for sure. Mm. You know, based kind of your understanding and analyses, if you had, you know, if you could pull the strings of the CS:GO region in North America, whether it be on the game dev end or the team end, you know, what little changes would would you make here and there to try to help bolster the scene? In North America, I assume you mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've there's something that um, that I talked to Moses, now Liquid's coach, but obviously previously um, previously caster about I think about a year ago, where I asked him pretty much the same thing. I'm I personally don't really have a mass a massive view just because I don't have enough 
enough depth into my knowledge into like the grassroots scene in North America. But from what he was saying and from what I've kind of gathered from people, it just seems like there isn't enough happening at the lower tier where, you know, where teams or players are still only getting into the game and into the competitive side of it. And outside of things like ESCA uh, and its its structure with uh, Open League into advanced into into MDL and stuff like that. Um, uh, besides that, I don't think there's much of a way for teams to for players or even teams to enter enter the space without first playing, you know, getting noticed by some some bigger team in the region. So I feel like there's I guess there's a lack of like smaller smaller tournaments such as uh, like a Fragadelphia that uh, that is going on. Um, I think a couple of times a year, and and things like that. I think they just need more of these regional tournaments, as, so, so that people can notice uh, how they can, how they can get into the competitive side of the game, and how they can improve that way. I think that's just uh, it. Just comes down to more of a more a better grassroots structure where where there are more tournaments going on. You know, I look at how Riot Games or. Uh, Overwatch or even um, Psionics with Rocket League, they all have these kind of development leagues, you know, whether it be um, a high school structure or a college structure. Right. And that the, uh, the goal is that, you know, the, that talent kind of leads you into pro. But because Valve has just been so hands off with esports for so long and it has been really unwilling to, to jump in. You know, to what extent is this decline just part of Valve not supporting its scene correctly? No, it's certainly not a surprise that they aren't, just because of that's that's kind of been their their philosophy the the entire time. As to how much it's actually impacting the scene, I don't know. It's the thing is, Valve's approach has has its upsides and quite obvious downsides, considering you know there there could be a certain improvement from them into like you were saying um, something as to what uh, what Riot Games is doing. Um, or even other 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 game developers, what they're trying to do with the grassroots scene. Obviously, they could do more, but we know that it's not going to happen. So, I'm not, and I'm not sure whether they have to be at fault for that. Um, they're obviously trying to trying to reach as big of an audience to the game as possible um, through other ways, just like through casual play. And that's been they've been pretty successful at it. Just from uh, from the numbers that I was talking about earlier, like we've had several. Um, player peaks in CS:GO throughout these last seven months or so, um, and we we kept peaking and peaking and peaking with with bigger and bigger numbers. So I don't think I don't think that's necessarily the way. I sure like there's a there's something that that could be done from their perspective in terms of competitiveness or in terms of competitive structures, as I was saying before. But I think with uh, with the way with the way they've handled the game, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. And I'm not sure it's even. It would even be advisable, to be honest, just because we've always we've always been able to work it out in terms of the, the, on our own without the um, without the developers um, being too hands on. So I don't think there's a, there's too big of a problem. I think it's more of a North American issue in specific. Mm. You know, you bring up a really good point. It's not that CS:GO overall is in decline because it's player count has just been breaking records throughout the year um which yeah it is a very curious case of like you know why why, you know why things just aren't going better for for na or as well as they should given given the the numbers but you know with that thank you so much for jumping on striker no problem and now i'm joined by reporter meg k Worlds 2020 is underway in the midst of a global pandemic even with small flare-ups in china the tournament has not seen any emergency shutdowns in shanghai 
even then, it's not been without its surprises. Last week, G2 Esports was able to eliminate Gen.G, Top Esports bested Fnatic, Suning bested JD Gaming 3-1, and Damwon dominated DRX 3-0. But before I get into playoff predictions, let's step back. League of Legends has been struggling as a scene in North America for some time, and this was most evidenced by Liquid, TSM, and FlyQuest all being eliminated in groups. Cloud9 CEO Jack Etienne said on Twitter after NA's elimination that, quote, all our teams need to reevaluate how we operate as this is not acceptable, end quote. So Meg, where did things go wrong for North America at Worlds? I definitely think that part of what went wrong was people's expectations going into the tournament. And that sounds incredibly harsh, but I also think it's kind of true. Like you had FlyQuest drawn into a group with a team that many people thought were going to win the whole tournament. You had Liquid drawn into a group with G2 who made finals last year and Suning who have shown up so much better than I think anyone expected. I think the fact that they were able able to get games is actually a lot more impressive than people are giving them credit for. And I think... TSM were the only team who really genuinely underperformed and I personally think that's an issue with how NA's seeds are sorted into pools. I personally don't think that NA's first seed should be a pool one team. I know that's possibly not the not the most pleasant thing for North American fans to hear but I think you just kind of have to accept after how the region has performed internationally for so many years that just kind of has to be taken into consideration that Pool 1 maybe is not the best place for North America's first seed. I mean, when you look at kind of player counts for League of Legends in North America, especially when compared to China and South Korea, you know, the player count is down. Excitement is starting to wane for League of Legends in in North America. I mean, is the scene kind of dying here? I mean, do you think that is where the scene is headed? I don't think it's unsavable. I definitely think that there are some kind of entrenched endemic issues with the PC gaming scene as a whole in North America that come down to kind of the availability of PC gaming and where PC gaming is not technically a meritocracy in North America just because the resources that are needed to get really really good in PC gaming are incredibly expensive and not massively accessible but I also definitely think that esports organizations in the US could be doing a lot more to help kind of even out the meritocracy of esports and make esports more accessible to yeah whether it's making these pc gaming sessions that are accessible to young kids and stuff like that so they can get a taste for these games at a young age and think from a young age okay this is something i want to get into and then they have the clear goal of saving for a pc or finding a place they can access a pc in order to practice and stuff like that well you know trent murray of the esports observer wrote that given the attention that each world gets every year with more and more viewership going up when an NA team just gets eliminated so early, those are, that's millions of potential views just kind of down the drain for, for, you know, a team liquid or a TSM. And this is a huge problem financially or business wise for, you know, their sponsors to just see all this potential revenue that they've invested in these teams kind of just flutter away. I mean, it clearly something needs to change. And I think, I think you're right. Um, Right, right on that, and I think Jack and maybe the rest of the, the the North American teams need to kind of figure out how they can continue to compete uh, against a very, very competitive Asian and European market. But let's jump on over to the actual semifinals, right? So going to semifinals, we see Suning, Top Esports, G Two, and Damwon all competing. Uh, the I, I think a lot of North American fans or European fans will definitely be rooting for G Two. Um, 
And the, the G2 roster has an excellent team this year. As you said earlier that, you know, they were in the finals uh, last year um, and they're being headed by mid laner Erasmus Caps Winter. So against Dam1, uh, how well do you think G2 can perform? I am of the unpopular opinion that I do not actually think Showmaker is as good as people say he is. And that's going to sound insane. But essentially, Showmaker is an excellent player. Showmaker is very, very, very strong. But he is not the greatest laner in the world. If you watch um, in the final series where it was DRX versus um, Damwon, there was this very, very interesting dichotomy of what the two mid laners were trying to do where Chovy was trying to win the lane and Showmaker was trying to leave it. If he has the option to simply not lane into his opponent and go to another lane or go to his jungler and have these early 2v2, 3v3 skirmishes, he will always take that option rather than choosing to fight in lane. And if Caps is able to shut down that roaming potential, obviously G2 can cut off some of his options in pick bans, taking away the things like the Galio, the TF that he's had so much comfort on, maybe the Syndra they can kind of shut down his core way of playing that way. And I think in just a pure laning 1v1, I think Caps can get the better of Showmaker. On the rest of the map, I think Wonder versus Nuguri is an absolutely fascinating matchup. I ha- genuinely have no idea who I think comes out on top in that matchup because they are both such incredibly strong players. I think just kind of going off gut feeling, I think that's a case of Wonder wins lane, Nuguri wins game, but then everything can change on the day. I think bot lane, both teams have, the bot lane is the weakest part of the map for them. So I think that will just kind of be a case of which bot lane can survive the best and avoid possible jungle attention. Because I think once a jungler comes bot lane, that will heavily sway that matchup in the favor of one team. And then I think Canyon is inarguably a better player than Yankos right now in this current meta. But I also think that Yankos can do some clever stuff around his lanes to kind of break that matchup open. So in a roundabout way of answering your question, I think Damwon may still take it. But I definitely think that G2 will be able to give them a run for their money, and I think it will be a five-game series. And then on the other side, uh, Sooning and Top Esports, what are your predictions? Oh, this is so hard because I love Sooning, but Top have looked just so strong. I think, ironically there, the main difference maker for them is the exact opposite of the Damwon G2 series. It's going to be the bot lane. Huan Feng is a very, very young AD carry, but he is incredibly talented and both Huan Feng and Jackie Love have very weak laning phases. It's kind of the trademark of the LPL that the AD carries are perhaps not the best laners in the world, but their team fighting is absolutely unparalleled. Like there is nobody in the world who can team fight like a Chinese ADC. And I think I'm kind of loath to say this, but I do think Top will take it. But I do also think that Suning can put on a much better showing than we've seen in their matchups against Top in the past. Mm-hmm. And then let's step back. Let's go and talk about the bubble. So Riot has created kind of this semi-permeable bubble uh, for Worlds in Shanghai. Uh, you know, it because of how well China's handled the pandemic, people are able to come and view uh, matchups. I mean, how is the bubble working out for for Worlds right now? Have there been any real instances where there were emergencies? Um. 
no, I think Riot's actually done a really, really good job of... Obviously, the quarantine is going to suck. Like, it's going to take a real toll on the mental of certain players. And I think we kind of saw that with the Mad Lions. I think that was one of their key issues was that they weren't mentally equipped for how much of a strain the lockdown was going to put on them. But I think the bubble systems worked fantastically. And one thing that I've been particularly impressed by is how they've managed to keep the press engagement with things like the press conferences, the post-game interviews, all remote. Like, everything's been online, and I think they've really, really taken the safety of their players and employees into account, and I think it's, I personally think it's worked incredibly Mm. well. I mean, with 2021, it's likely that, you know, the virus will still be around, and that uh, the world will still be in some kind of bubble form. Do you feel that Riot will allow press in to the actual bubble next year? Uh, I don't know if that's a question that could be answered now. I think it's all going to be dependent on what the virus looks like next year and more importantly which countries press are coming from i'm living currently in one of the worst covid areas in the uk and like i personally would not want to go to a tournament like worlds knowing that i am coming from such a high-risk area i would not want to put others at risk so i think it's gonna have to be something that's looked at on a case-by-case press-by-press basis to see which press they believe are safe and also it'll be a case of are these people working in the press willing to give up two weeks of their lives purely to quarantine just so that they can be there to cover worlds when it is something that could be done remotely well with that meg thank you so much for jumping on uh it was really lovely to talk to you thank you for having me and that was ftw with ahmad khan if you enjoyed the show please rate subscribe and share your support will help our show grow if you'd like to follow Stryker on Twitter and keep up to date on all things CSGO, find him at StrykerHLTVOrg on Twitter. If you'd like to follow Meg and the work she does at Dot Esports and Jinx, you can find her at Megido underscore GG. To follow my writing over at the New York Times, the Washington Post, and elsewhere, find me on Twitter at Imad. Audio production and research help came from Ron Lyons. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.